Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker here to tell you that the Stat Sheet Podcast is presented by Boxscore Network. Boxscore Network is your one-stop shop for all things NFL podcasts. You want game analysis, betting lines, hot takes, or fantasy advice? Well, check out Boxscore Network and follow Boxscore Network on Twitter at Bscore Network for updates. Welcome back, everybody, to the Stat Sheet Podcast, celebrating the Super Bowl, hot off the presses, emotional reactions, Mahomes winning another Super Bowl MVP award, Reed creating a dynasty. Uh, We are hot, hot off this game. Just a few moments ago, thank you for being with us as always. Simon is joining us as always. Ronan is running somewhere around the United States, maybe Vegas, maybe the Midwest, celebrating the Super Bowl. We are going to cover everything from our emotions to some in-game analytics to some futuristic talk. Simon, welcome back on board as always, man. Ben, thank you so much. I uh, am happy to be here with you as always. I'm happy you're back. I think Ronan's keeping your seat warm at the craps table that that you were at last week. <laughs> yes. um, you guys have just kept that that little that little area moving and shaking all week long so uh, we appreciate your guys's efforts there uh, boots on the ground for the statue podcast in vegas man the super bowl um i'm very excited to be this pumped up to do the game to talk about the game instant reaction it's going to be a little different than our normal pod it's going up on a monday instead of a tuesday i feel like tony romo just up here yelling and screaming i also have to continue to move because I'm in a motion censored light activated uh, shed right now. And the only way it doesn't go pitch black, I have to move basically constantly. So we're going to be pumped up, man. I, I can't wait to dive into this. Yeah. Practice a little bit of a rap hip hop from your favorite, uh, you know, mid two thousands uh, music artist. You know, if I had caught the uh, whole Usher halftime show, I would probably be even more prepared for this. I'd probably be trying some dance moves. I shouldn't be trying here <laughs> at uh, at 30 years old now. Um, so it's probably a good thing I didn't catch it all yet. Uh, I'll go watch it when we're done with this and I'll probably, you know, dance through the night, but, um, shout out to Usher. I'm sure it was great. Yeah. Very smooth as always. Usher always is. You can't, you um, can't beat so, it, man. No. All right. Let's jump right into it. I'm going to hit yeah. you with my first emotions real quick here and then turn it over to you for that, because that's, that's where I, I after a game like this, I really feel like that, that's the place to start. It's not about the decision-making it's not about the analytics. It's just about, wow, let's, how do we feel coming off a game like that? So here's my three. First of all, what a great game and a great show from everybody. So thank you to everybody, the coaches, the players, for putting on a great show. I'm old enough to remember some really lousy Super Bowls. This was not. Thank you to everybody who made this great from start to finish. Number two, Mahomes is amazing, the best player on the field. And even though this maybe wasn't his best game ever, He's the guy that kept dragging them back into competing and winning. So hats off to Mahomes. Absolutely love the work that he did. My third emotion is, boy, there were a lot of mistakes in this game. And no matter who lost, you talk about an unusual number of mistakes, big mistakes that were made in this game, somebody was going to have a tough time sleeping the night. If the Chiefs had lost, some of those guys would have had a tough time sleeping the night because of the mistakes. But at the end of the day, tense all the way through, those are my emotions coming off this game. Simon, yours? Yeah, for two teams that have mostly been here before, and I, I know this exact 49ers group hasn't been here before, but between Shanahan 
and having, I mean, even the young coaching staff, but, but between Shanahan being here a couple times and then this Chiefs team, which has obviously been here a ton, it was sloppy from both sides to start the game, which was really interesting. And I think that happens probably more often than we would think. We think everyone's going to just like hit the ground running, right? They're the two Super Bowl teams, but you got two weeks in between. Um, the, the nerves are high, right? We're going to talk about legacies here later in this podcast. And there was a lot riding on the legacies for these two teams, I think, as well. Um, you saw the emotion from the Chiefs players and coaches after the game. I mean, Andy Reid was fired up. They they even said, like, they were trying to get him right after, right, to, to talk to the camera. And, like, they he wasn't doing it. He had, he had a security guy and his assistant, like, escorting him off to the sideline. And he was just, like, red in the face, just pumped up something you don't see a lot from Reid. And I, I loved it. That was so awesome. Um, but... That turned into, right, the, like, sloppiness turned into, like, okay, we're both defenses and both both trenches were just, like, we're just going to have to grit this thing out for four quarters until our offenses start to get some stuff together and really get their momentum back. And and Tony Romo, I thought, did a great job of talking about this on the broadcast where it's just, like, especially the Chiefs defense, you could tell they were just tired, right? Just, like, oh, like everyone in that front seven for both sides was having to go full tilt all game. And, and you you go look back through, like, the first half, right? And and the low stats, the low scoring, the three and outs, all the punts, all of that in the first half was created by the the those defensive lines, those linebackers saying, okay, the, the offense isn't there, the smoothness, the execution isn't there, so we just got to get, like, down and dirty. And, and then in the fourth quarter, man, it, it all just broke open at that point. We got we got full Mahomes, Chiefs, Pur- Purdy, 49ers, Shanahan, everything that, w- that we wanted all in that fourth quarter. So great, great game start to finish. Yeah, agreed. And let's stay on that emotional exhaustion thing for a minute, which I – you didn't quite put those two words together, but I'm going to. I felt this game was tight from the start. Neither team ever did find their rhythm, ever, in this game. It was gritty. It was tough. But also in a game this big, it's tough to maintain that emotional level. I mean, these teams are already playing mm-hmm. physical. They're both physical teams to begin with. They're not finesse. They're physical. But you add on that emotion in a Super Bowl level from start to finish all the way through to overtime, it's tough to maintain physical energy when it's that high level. In a lot of cases, not always, you'll see both teams kind of offensively just grooving. And that tends to just release a lot of pressure. When both teams are scoring and it's fluid, that just releases. This was tight, man. This was tight, tough, gritty. Gritty is the word you use, and you're right. I actually felt, before Romo even said anything about the Chiefs being tired uh, in the fourth quarter, I actually felt like the, the 49ers looked tired late in the third quarter and all through the fourth. I thought they looked, especially on defense, like they were gassed, like they were kind of just standing around. Um, I really thought that, but then you combine it with what you said that Romo and Romo did, it looked like both teams were just emotionally exhausted even before we got to the end of the game. And for the 49ers, you wonder how much of that was the Dre Greenlaw injury, which we should mention. Um, Greenlaw <laughs> was the 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 spark that lit the flame that started the rebellion right for the 49ers shout out to to the to the Star Wars heads out there um <laughs> because he was a madman that first series right i mean he was just on a mission and and a lot of you know we had mentioned over the last couple of weeks right the 49ers issues on defense and how they line up and like how the way they play and their physicality 
and you forget and and what i was hearing leading up to the pod or leading up to the game and being reminded of was D'Amico Ryans was a leader for this defense, was like the emotional engine for so much. So like, who was going to be the guy that got these guys pumped? And Greenlaw was just out there smacking dudes and like getting everybody pumped up. And and unfortunately, like I didn't see when he went down, but maybe some of that spilled over to he got a little too amped to run on the field. Ends up tearing his Achilles, which is horrible, horrible for Greenlaw. Um, Because you think now, like, how long is that going to bleed into next year? But we won't get into that yet. Um and then you wonder if, if like, losing that, right, if he was the engine, if he was the guy that was getting everybody fired up, and, you know, you have that momentum, your adrenaline's still going, the game has already started, you're playing well on defense, but as you start to get hit back in the mouth, right, as Mahomes starts to get a rhythm, you know, it can be so defeating when Mahomes can just, like, scoop by you for 12 yards that looks like he's just, like, running around with, with a bunch of, like, 10-year-olds, right, just kind of hanging, and... and if you don't have that emotional leader out there, like, yeah, like that would probably start to weigh on you. And then you're, then you're backpedaling and then, you know, your offenses, the the struggles that they have, right. If they're, if they're turning the ball over or, or having quick three and outs and you got to get right back out there and you're like, dang, man, like this team, right. Like I got to keep tackling Isaiah Pacheco all game. Um, you wonder if Greenlaw was part of the 49ers losing a little bit of that emotional steam. It had to be. And, Let's talk about that for just a second. 49ers actually had several injuries to several players. Most of those players were able to come back come back in the mm-hmm. game and the ball wasn't. But you saw Samuel, you saw Kittle, you saw, I think, the 49ers offensive linemen. There were several players there, mm-hmm. most of them with some kind of leg injury, really unusual. Don't know exactly what was going on there. But, yeah, it seemed to be something that kept popping up for the 49ers, not only from energy standpoint, injury standpoint. And missing Greenlaw was huge. Yeah, you know, Debo, he he went out with that hamstring for a little bit. Um, George Kittle went out with some some sort of shoulder injury. He came that in overtime was when he left, but he was having a very, very quiet night. I mean, on, on the on the night as a whole, talk about George Kittle, two catches for four yards on three targets. You you needed more than that from a guy like Kittle, right? And, and you wonder just how early that shoulder injury started to affect him. Um but, but yeah, Feliciano went out for a little bit, and I don't even know if he technically came back because I think him and um, uh, Spencer Burford had been rotating this year, right? So uh, I, I don't even know if, if Feliciano ended up coming back in or not. But yeah, a lot, like just a lot, just a lot of stuff happened, man. It was, it was insane how much um, you could really break down from this game in terms of quarter to quarter, just like the little things that, that lead up to you know, what ended up being their result because listen, Kansas city had its fair share of, of issues, right? I mean, not, not, mu- not so much on the injury front, but mistakes. I mean, they had four total fumbles. I think only one loss. Mahomes throws an interception, um, uh, takes a couple sacks in the first half, which I, I will have the numbers here at some point on how many times Patrick Mahomes has been sacked multiple times in the game. Cause it hasn't been a lot this year. Um, I think he was uh, second in the league in sack percentage on his total dropbacks for the year. Uh, let's see. Times that Patrick Mahomes has taken multiple sacks in a game this season. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And that does not include tonight. So a little over half. But I would say among the league, that's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, just like the, the Chiefs had their fair share of blunders. The 49ers had their fair share of mishaps. You talked about penalties on either end. Um 
Chiefs with with some costly ones uh, in the end of, towards the end of the game, right? That that drive in overtime by the 49ers, um, where where they get the holding call, uh, McDuffie on was it Debo or Ayuk? I can't remember, or no, Juwan Jennings. Um, sorry guys, we're all over the place. Some media reactions right after the game, but whew, this was this was a crazy one for sure. Let's settle in on the mistakes for a bit. My my reaction coming off this game is the 49ers had not one, but really two chances to have put this game away long before it ever got to overtime, long before Mahomes ever started hooking up with Rice and then hooking up with uh, Kelsey. That started in the first quarter for me when you had the McCaffrey fumble. In the first quarter, Purdy mm-hmm. was carving up that Chiefs defense to multiple receivers in chunks of basically 18 yards at a time. You'd see that pop up on the score sheet several times. He was carving them up in the first quarter. They didn't capitalize. Uh, that McCaffrey fumble was huge. Then you go back to the uh, the second drive. Trent Williams has not one but two huge penalties. They actually overcome that, but still it kind of gives you – it just chokes out that first drive, that second drive in terms of Purdy having to make more and more good plays. So it was two-star teammates that really choked it off there in the first quarter. I think they end up with a 3 nothing lead kind of coming mm-hmm. into the start of the second quarter. So they didn't capitalize then. Well, then they get it at the start of the second half. They get that Mahomes interception. And you're up 10-3, to and you have the ball in Chiefs territory, and you're like, yes, we can do this. We can score a touchdown. We can put this thing away, and a slow Chiefs offense is really going to struggle here. But, no, they couldn't do it. And so I really felt like, and again, Tons of mistakes on both teams, more than usual. Everything from fumbles to turnovers to penalties to just mental errors. It was all over the board tonight. Neither team was very crisp. This was probably a B grade for both teams at best. Neither team brought their A game. But those penalties by the – I mean, those those mistakes by the 49ers where they had chances to put this game away early and early in the second half came back to bite them. Yeah, the um the drive you're talking about, the one right after the interception, they you know, it, it's it's three and out on second and ten. Aaron Banks gets a false start. It's now second and fifteen. You really don't have a shot at that point. That was it the second drive, they got two holding penalties in a row. Um Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. So they're in second and seventeen and then second and twenty seven, right? After and, and by then the Chiefs defense had settled in, right? We talk about opening scripts right so San Fran had a great opening script you know you mentioned it they're they're running up the left side behind Trent Williams against Mike Dana like you love that matchup McCaffrey was getting chunks and chunks of yardage that way and and then Purdy was able to just like float his nice little flag routes right to the sideline a couple times um and get himself in a rhythm because then he was throwing more over the middle of the field later in the game um and they were in a good rhythm and then yeah then, then they fumble it away, and, and you just can't do that in these games, man. And you can't do that specifically against a, a team like the Chiefs, a team that's not only been to the Super Bowl before, but just in general, right, even a regular season game. If you're going against a, a smart, experienced team and you give them too many opportunities, you put yourself in too many negative situations, right? We We talked a lot leading up to this game about, like, staying ahead of the sticks for both teams being really important. Um because the man def- man coverage defense for the Chiefs was going to be able to be sticky against the explosive plays by the Niners, and that was for sure the case in this one. Um, and you talk about for the Chiefs, right? Like the non-explosive nature of their offense, if they got behind the sticks too much, 
which in the first half they did. The Niners were able to get them in a lot of second and longs to start the game between the pressure the defensive line was putting on Mahomes and, and the run game, and then the ways they were trying to counter that with some quick passing. Um, both both defenses really came to play to take advantage of those mistakes that both offenses were making. But But to your point, to start it off that first drive with that fumble, I think really did set up the way it was going to be for both sides throughout at least the first half. It did, because even open this up the second 49ers drive, uh, uh, Purdy has that nice play that brings them close to the middle of the field. And you think, okay, well, they did it on first drive. Mm -hmm. They're going to do it on second drive, and they're about to. And then it's penalty, penalty. Then they scratch and scratch their way back into makeable, and then it's another penalty, and they're kicking the ball away. And now your chance is gone. So you you actually do end up on your third drive catching the field goals, and now you're up three to nothing, but you're right. From that point on, it set the tone for what was really a mucky game. Tons of mistakes. The Chiefs guys will forget them all. The 49ers guys will remember them all. Uh, that's the bitterness of winning and losing. I don't think we should go much deeper in this podcast, and I don't want to talk legacy yet or anything like that, but just about how good Mahomes was in this game. Um, I said it again. This wasn't his most beautiful game. This wasn't his best game. If the Chiefs lose, that interception that he throws early in the second half is going to be talked about by everybody. But now we're going to forget about it because at the end of the day, the way the game played out, Mahomes was the best player on the field. He was the reason that the Chiefs were able to keep getting back into the game, into the game. Every time they needed to score a field goal at the end, they were able to. And then at the and then in overtime, when they had a when they had a chance to score a touchdown, they did it. So in a game that was filled with mistakes, some of which Mahomes did, he continued to show that he was the most influential factor on the field. Yeah, because when the second half and really midway through the third quarter, right, was when the 49ers defense or offense really started getting rolling. Um you knew that Mahomes and the Chiefs were also going to have to counter with that, right? They weren't going to be able to rely on their defense for four straight quarters. And, and that's when every Mahomesian effect in the playbook comes out, right? And I think the play that's going to stand out to me from this game more than anything is the fourth and one. Was that in overtime? I think, it was, yeah, it was in overtime, right? The last try. And they put somebody in motion going left, and they fake the handoff left to Pacheco. And Mahomes basically then runs an option to the right where he can either flick it to Kelsey or just run. And he just he just scoots his way for, you know, 12, 15 yards, whatever it was. And and that's always going to stick in my mind because that's the last two years, the running of Mahomes has gotten so much more important to the team and so much more prevalent to us watching how, how effective it can be and how seemingly unstoppable it is, despite the fact that he, he doesn't look like the most athletic person when he's running right he's not josh allen he's not lamar jackson but that's the play that's always going to stand out because it's like man you can do everything right you can hold this chief's offense you can hold patrick Mahomes down for three quarters three and a half quarters and, and then just like when he needs to he's just going to pull pull the play out when he needs it i mean in, incredible game by him you, you mentioned the interception but other than that really kept the ball out of harm's way didn't take chances had the poison, the confidence, right? He's been through the Super Bowl loss, right? That Tampa Bay loss where he just had to run around and, and chuck the ball and, and do a whole bunch of crazy stuff. He'd been there before, right? So he can come into this one and say, hey, listen, I know from what I've experienced here in the league already, 
I have an elite defense that's going to have my back, and I've, I I don't have to get the home run on every play. So I can just take what I'm given until it's time for me to go and, and get one when I need it. And it was it was with his legs a lot in this one. I mean, he had, what, 66 yards on the ground on nine attempts? And I would say, I mean, all nine felt like backbreakers, right? Like it was at the most imperative times when the Chiefs needed it and they needed a little infusion of hype and a little infusion of momentum and um, just really, I mean, magical performance because it's been it's been such an ugly season right and the stats haven't been fantastic and and you know we're we're talking props before the game and and, and trying to look at all these keys and it didn't feel like we we're going to have a 300 yard passer in this game right you you and Robertson were talking about on outs on favorite um a bunch 333 yards in this one 7.2 per attempt 34 46 two touchdowns um 66 yards on the ground just like really really impressive stuff from Mahomes in this one yeah it was and again it's not like the old air raid attack that we had seen in some years or the old throw it to Tyreek Hill because he's unstoppable it was here and there it was man it was just man it was tight stuff all night long it wasn't like it wasn't like they had uh, easy stuff here. It wasn't like they had uh, great receivers here. They just didn't. Uh, Kelsey didn't get loose until the second half. So any offense they got in the first half, which wasn't much, <laughs> but that was that was Mahomes and Rice late in the uh, first half that really got them hooked up, got that field goal. And I thought that was important there as well. We'll settle in on, on, on that for just a second. Them being able to catch a field goal heading into halftime, it reminded me of the 49ers being able to stop Detroit and hold Detroit to a field goal in the NFC title game, just that little seed of, hey, you know, we're not doing well here, but we just caught a break. And so for the Chiefs there, be 10 to nothing down, to be able to catch that field goal at the end of the first half and just get a little bit of something going, especially to Rasheed Rice. I thought that helped a lot, and Rice didn't do a lot in the second half. I mean, <laughs> there was a couple, but not much. In the second half, it was mostly Kelsey, and, and then Mahomes just kind of thinking and ducking his way down. Uh, but I don't know necessarily that Mahomes could have done that five years ago. We didn't necessarily see that from him. The 2021 season with the offensive line, that the tackles were giving up tons of pressure off the edges, really changed the way that he could do a lot of this stuff. And now he can beat you just the same way Brady could always beat you. Yeah, the 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 Bucks Super Bowl was the, oh my gosh, I have to run around so much and, and put all my shoulders. And then the Bengals AFC Championship game the next year was the, result of that where it was like okay it's all on me so i i've gotta i've gotta always force and i've gotta always and yeah these last two years man he he's gone to another level in terms of that decision making um i will say the 66 yards on the ground that's a season high for him um his, his season high before that was I, I believe 53 in the regular season um and then let's see what else did, had i pulled up here um just and the number of receivers that got involved too, right? Because we were talking about how the the targets in the offense had been funneled as the year went, right? They spent all year trying to figure out who were the clutch guys, who who can we go to? And over the course of the postseason, it was Kelsey, it was Pacheco, and it was Rasheed Rice, and, and like they weren't doing anything else. Meanwhile, Marcus Valdez Scantling in this one, 
three catches for 20 yards, which should have been like 35 yards, but he ran backwards for 15 yards on one play. But he gets their first touchdown of the game, right? Mikal Hartman, three touch, three receptions, 57 yards, game-winning touchdown, as we all expected. Justin Watson, three catches, 54 yards. Uh, Noah Gray, two for 22. Jarek McKinnon got activated just in time for this game, right? Two catches for 15 yards. Um and then you've got then you've got your big name guys, right? Your your Kelsey for nine for ninety three, Pacheco six for thirty three got involved in the passing game. You and Robertson talked about that as well. Uh, Rasheed Rice six for thirty nine, as you mentioned, not not a ton of yardage there was open on that one touchdown. He wanted to end the regular end regulation, right? Um, you mentioned I wanted to give a shout out because the 49ers did make a good defensive adjustment there when when the Chiefs got that uh, field goal to end the first half. Because the Chiefs were driving down, right? They were dinking and dunking. It was just like Kelsey, 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 like over and over again. Um, the Niners were playing a really soft, soft zone for a good chunk of time until the Chiefs got into like their 40-yard line, I want to say. And then they got back into their man coverage and press and jammed and made it a little more difficult. Um, but again, like Mahomes didn't take the bait then right he didn't start forcing it he was just like you know what we'll, we'll get the field goal we'll get a little momentum and we'll be back in the second half um and then something similar i think ended the i think that same thing happened at the end of regulation too where it was okay we're, we're getting down the field we're getting down the field 49ers make the adjustment we'll kick the field goal we're going to overtime just the poise that he shows now but there's poise and then can still get over 300 yards through the air is just is a really impressive combination I agree. So Mahomes was fantastic, not in the way we're used to, but kind of in the way he's done most of this season, mm-hmm. pretty consistently doing it in a different way. Similar really in a way that Brady was doing it at times when he didn't, mm-hmm. again, there were years where Brady just didn't have the receiving core and yet he would still just kind of figure out, okay, here's when the check off, here's when the check down, here's where to run the ball left instead of right. He just knew all this stuff, and he didn't have to have the big explosive play, even though he was fully capable of it. Mahomes will be capable of it for years. You mentioned that 49er defense. I want to give them all the props in the world for playing a good game, but I'm going to rip them one here for the way they ended it in overtime because I was just thoroughly disgusted with about three of their plays that they did late at the end. But first of all, hats off to them for playing without Greenlaw, for playing so tough. Now – Part of that credit is going to have to go to the fact that the Chiefs' offense just isn't great. They basically were averaging 20 points per game for a large stretch of the season. Towards the tail end of the season, they were able to kind of scratch it up to 24, 25 per game, somewhere in there. Um, so for them to have 25 points in an overtime game was kind of about what they usually check in at. But what I did not like that the 49ers did, and I, I'm wondering if Kyle Shanahan wasn't ticked off about it either, but I'm not certain. Maybe we'll never know. In that overtime drive, Steve Wilkes, for whatever reason, has the 49ers on that on that second and 12 play in overtime um, after that weird – and I'm sorry, I'm going to be scattered here for just a second. It was a really weird backward Chiefs play where they caught the ball for like a five-yard game, turned out to be like a – Seven-yard loss, Mm -hmm. yeah, or three-yard loss. I'm looking at it right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So after that play, Wilt, for some reason, decides to put five guys at safety, basically, Mm -hmm. and amounts to a prevent defense. I don't know what quarterback wouldn't know to throw the ball underneath at that point, especially Mahomes. 
And then on the following play, they did a similar thing with four guys basically playing safety. And then a couple of plays later, this was after a new set of downs had been acquired by the Chiefs. They once again, I can't remember if it was three or – no, I remember what it was, and I'm sorry. They had two safeties, but they were playing them ultra deep, which again, Mahomes, any quarterback is going to know what to do with that, but Mahomes especially, I absolutely hated that. Those were three plays, and I I, I didn't like it at all. And on that same play, that, that last one you're talking about, so it was, it was the, the first and ten – Went to Marquez Valdez scaling. He catches the ball. He runs backwards. He falls backwards. He runs some right. more. Loses yes. three. The second and 13, they get it to scaling again because you said it, the five deep. And what's he not going to do this time? He's not going backwards. So he catches that ball for five, puts his yeah. head down. He's got that like six two, six three frame, and he just falls forward. He says, I'm just going to get seven. I'm going to get those yards back at losses. And then the third and six, not only did they have those safeties back really deep, they sent a huge blitz i i went to twitter and i i tried to find the the number but it felt like the niners in the second half were blitzing pretty uncharacteristically for them um they were 29th in the nfl this year and actual blitzes sent after the quarterback so you're you're like you, when you don't do when you don't blitz throughout the season it, it's for one of two reasons it's like it's not in your core tenets of the way you want to play football or you're not very good at it Right. So if you're now, let's say it's the 49ers, right? Fred Warner, Trey Greenlaw, like Bosa, like all these guys, like they're, they're built for this. Right. Okay. So it's not, you're not good at it, but if it's not one of your core tenants, it's not something you do very frequently, then maybe not only your front seven aren't going to be as effective as they would be in normal situation if they did it more often, but more importantly, your back four, your back five, they're not as used to having to cover in that situation. So they're not necessarily used to the if you blitz an elite quarterback that ball's getting out quick right like you said so they're they might not be used to that kind of okay this ball's coming out quick boom you know that real timing they don't have that muscle memory for that yet and Mahomes sees seven eight dudes rushing him he's in heaven man I mean this guy like it's yeah. so hard to bring him down I know he got sacked three times in this one most of those were just by the ends or or, uh, or whoever some defensive lineman playing really well in the first half, right? Where they were blitzing a little bit less, it seemed. Um, so Mahomes is just like, great, I'm just going to get this ball to Rasheed Rice, who's one of the best yak guys, not only on the team, but has been one of the best yak guys in the playoffs and towards the end of the regular season. And we're just going to, you know, get a first down. We don't have to even worry about fourth down right now. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a very strange and uncharacteristic moment. It was a little like the Cowboys going heavy zone against the Packers in the first round of playoffs where it's just like, you don't do like why are you going away from where your bread has been buttered all season? It was very strange. I agree. And and I and again, you never know in game time what a coach is thinking and why he's doing what he's doing. So I, I want to allow a little bit for that. But it reminded me a little bit of Leslie Frazier two or three seasons ago with the Bills going total prevent and allowing Mahomes to basically in 30 seconds score. Um my my, my point is this, your base man defense, which is what you alluded to, their basic man defense, when they locked back in on that and allowed their guys to just work and focus and make life difficult, was working. By and large, that was working. And when they went into extra blitzers, not the fifth, not, you know, not the fifth or sixth guy, but that seventh and eighth guy, when they went to that extreme, it didn't work. And when they went to the, hey, drop prevent, that didn't work either. I didn't understand why they went either direction. 
Meanwhile, you've got the Chiefs over here, Spags and company, magically doing what they always oh, do. Oh, yeah, baby. Mix it oh, up. Yeah. Play tough man. Mix it up. Change a little bit. If you're going to drop into some zones, it's something unusual, but it's still smart. You're bringing a fifth or a sixth guy, not eight. I mean, it was just a very well-coordinated group, but we're used to that from the Chiefs. The 49ers had some really weird defensive plays, and I didn't understand it because their base was working. Their base man was working. Even without Greenlaw there, it was working. And again, maybe Mahomes beats you anyway. Maybe mm-hmm. he does. But all you're looking for is one tipped ball, one tipped pass to either stop a drive or pick up a second weird interception, and the game is yours. And instead, you're doing some weird stuff with extra blitzers and then converting back into prevent defenses, and I I will not for the life of me ever understand that. Uh, while we're trying to give some shout-outs and just bouncing around here the, on the 49ers defense, they, had, they went to two kind of backups when Dre Greenlaw went out. Um, both played pretty well. Uh, Oren Burks, though, I want to shout out because he had the play third down in overtime where Isaiah Pacheco had a handoff and it's it's third and third and two, and Javon Hargrave gets the stop right. He wraps him up, uh, short of the yeah. short of the line to gain. Pacheco looks like he's going to do his thing, right? He's going to second effort it. He kind of spins away from this tackle just enough, and it looks like he's going to lunge for. It. And Oren Burks comes screaming from wherever he was on the field, and and stops him dead short. Now that the Chiefs convert, and it's it's you know it's all history at this point, but. While we're just giving some shout-outs out to the defense, I want to shout that guy out because, you know, when it comes down to the Super Bowl, man, it's it's next man up, and those guys just all got to be ready at any given time. Um, and so for those Niner linebackers to come in and, and still play well, and, like, I know we're bashing them right now for some stuff, man, but they were, they were so freaking close. I mean, if, if Jake Moody doesn't get that extra point blocked, who knows what we're talking about, right? Because then at the end of overtime, Chiefs aren't playing for – uh, three, they have to get seven, and, and we don't know what that play looks like at that point. So, man, just just these little moments, right? You, you just never know how it's going to line up. Yeah, and most of my anger, not all of it, most of my anger is directed toward the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Yeah, totally. I, players played well enough to have won this Super Bowl, probably should have won it. I mean, really, to be honest, mistakes aside, because most of the mistakes I thought were on the offensive side, the actual player mistakes for the 49ers. But you're right. I did want to do a couple of shout-outs as well. Number one, Fred Warner. Um, man, a, a fantastic game, even though his name wasn't necessarily called a lot due to big plays, but just a tremendous game, sideline to sideline, depth to depth. I mean, he was phenomenal. Again, one of the best players in the game. There's no question about it. And then a guy that you mentioned on our podcast I, last week or the week before, I don't remember, maybe it was. It might have even been um, – no, I think it was actually Wednesday night on our on the Simon Short podcast, and that is Jawan Jennings. He only had four catches for, I think, 42 yards, but they were so key. It was like mm-hmm. all four of those catches came at moments where the 49ers were kind of sort of starting to choke a little bit on offense, and they had to have something, and they went right to Jennings for it. Four huge catches, I thought, that really got them kind of, okay, first down movers, here we go, we're back into it again. Um, and of course, the two touchdowns that he had too. <laughs> One by passing the ball. Right. 
<laughs> I love you for talking about like the tough yards he got first and not the fact that this man is the second player in NFL history to throw for and catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Um, really, really good on you for the nitty gritty stuff. Well, it meant more to me because, again, not to knock Jennings, but there were a lot of people who maybe could have thrown that pass in that situation. But there weren't a lot of people who were stepping up in some of these third down situations or, hey, the offense is dying. This chief defense is starting to choke us out a little bit here. We need a big play from somebody. And it was Jennings that provided that. And, you know, that that really stood out to me was those four catches, even though obviously the big touchdown pass was the one that I'm sure him and his kids will remember for the rest of his life. And look, this man got recruited to play quarterback, I think, for Tennessee, right? And then he gets converted to wide receiver. He's there. I saw a clip on Twitter because I, I went to you know find the clip again. And and he did the same play at Tennessee. I think it was against Florida. And he catches the screen pass. He ends up throwing it back to the quarterback. But it's the same idea where he, it's a two-read play, right? He gets the little fake screen. And he looks deep to the opposite end, right, to the first receiver. He did the same thing there. He looked off Debo. And then he hit McCaffrey. Shoot, man, good good ball by Juwan Jennings. Um, should we talk about some of the shortcomings of the San Francisco offense now? Because I feel like we're we're bashing the defense. That I mean, yeah, twenty five points isn't great, but I mean there were some there were some duds by the offense, man, which is which is tough sledding for for San Fran. Yeah, and I'll be clear here. My emotion is the defensive players for San Francisco were amazing. Should mm-hmm. have won the game. The defensive coordinator calls them on the offensive side. I felt like the players cost them some points, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Christian, like what? So my big stat going into this game was that the 49ers were 11 and 0 on the year when they ran for 140 yards or more. And Kansas City had allowed that 15 times this season. Tonight, 31 carries for just 110 yards. For the 49ers on the ground, and that's everybody. Christian McCaffrey, 22 carries for 80 yards, and most of that came in the fourth quarter and overtime, right? Specifically, even overtime, like just like they did a great job, I thought, of just trying to like milk the clock and run that ball all the way down for a touchdown. And of course, they probably don't have that opportunity without that holding call, right? So there, there's that kind of sliding doors moment as well. But they could not get the ground game going, and, and we've talked about so much stuff, and, and we mentioned George Kittle. But we could have just opened this up with George Kittle and and Debo Samuel combined for five catches for thirty seven yards and no touchdowns, and like that that's your ball game right there, you know. And and McCaffrey has the eight catches for eighty yards and the touchdown. He's got the eighty yards on the ground, no touchdowns there. Um, so McCaffrey had his game, but still, like you, the way this Chiefs run defense had been all year. I mean, eight, like 80 yards on the ground like is a lot, but it doesn't sound like a lot for what we felt like they needed, especially if you're telling me Debo and Kittle are combining for less than 40 yards on offense. Again, both those guys have been battling injuries all year. They battled injuries in this game. We don't know how much that had a factor into it. So it's not even saying like, oh, they, they choked, but they didn't do what you needed them to do either way, injury or no injury. So that that was a real, real tough go for, for the uh, 49ers. We talked about explosive plays. Ayuk uh, had a 20-yard catch, but Debo's long was 12. As I said, George Kittle, four. Like, there just wasn't a lot of juice on the offensive end. They were efficient, but not a lot of juice for the Niners on offense. Yeah, agreed. And that's where I really go back to, and this is what burns me a lot if I'm rooting for San Francisco, which I was. 
when you had that game going in the first quarter, those first two drives, especially mm-hmm. the first drive, mm-hmm. but those first two drives, you end it with fumbles and penalties. Purdy is chopping up. I mean, he's 18-yard chunk plays on both possessions. You know, Purdy's not necessarily going to be able to do that to the Chiefs defense the whole game, and he couldn't. Right. Yep. You needed to capitalize. They really could have been up 14-0 or 10 to nothing to start the game. Wouldn't have been a big deal. And then you add on the field goal, could have been 13 to nothing. Um, they didn't do that, you know. So now you're asking Purdy later in the game as it gets tighter and as that Chiefs de- defense starts to figure out what it can do in this game, now you're asking Purdy to make throws that he already made earlier in the game. He already did his work, you know, so to speak. Um so I, I didn't like it, uh, the, the, the disappointing plays there. But, again, Chiefs defense, fantastic. And as the game went on, I don't want to say they got better, but they eliminated certain things that, uh, that the 49ers wanted to be able to do, primarily Debo and, um, and the McCaffrey's yards per carry were down. Yeah, it felt, it felt like – and this is pretty true historically of a Spags defense. And Spags was just – on one in this one man like oh god anytime it was third and over five you just you knew someone was coming you didn't know where and it was beautiful beautiful but it felt like they walked in this game and as i was saying he he's done this in the playoffs before where it's okay we're gonna stop the explosive pass game first right we know the run defense is not our strength so we're not gonna overly extend ourselves right to to do more than that they they were sending some run blitzes i think early in the game right getting to throw guys like willie gay and leo chanel into some extra get into some of those open gaps when they needed to but for the most part it was we're just going to make sure those explosive plays don't happen and then as the game goes and you've already taken care of that you can say okay you know chris mccaffrey has gotten like had a couple good series here now that we've seen kind of what they want to do, they want to go to the outside, they want to go to the left. Let's rotate some guys around. Let's make sure we cover up that area, help those guys out over there, and let's be ready to blow up some of those plays. Um, I think we had mentioned earlier when the 49ers had to settle for their field goal um, towards the end of the first quarter, right? When they're driving down, they're driving down, and, and the first quarter had just ended. They end up going for the field goal. And I think it was, and maybe this was a different play. Anyways, again, immediate game recaps. 49ers are driving. They have to end up settling for a field goal. They they run a little pitch play, a little outside run to the right. And who is it? It's a guy we had barely mentioned all year. Felix Amaduke Uzama gets a big tackle on McCaffrey for like minus three, four yards, completely stalls out the drive. Um, so it just felt like that Kansas City defense, as the game went on, it's almost like it's almost like a veteran boxer or something, right? Where it's like the body's getting tired and tired as the rounds go, right? You're not as young as you once were. The defense isn't as talented as some of these other ones, but they're just so well coached and they're so smart that it's like, okay, we know in these key moments where we need to be and what we need to do, and and we executed when we needed to. That's a great analogy. That veteran tired boxer who still knows how to fight their way through. And another term I'll throw out there is intelligent aggression. I kind of fussed at the 49ers for for going between too aggressive to being too prevent. Well, the Chiefs didn't do that, and they don't ever. They were intelligently aggressive. You mentioned when they needed to, they would send the extra blitzer, especially when third and third and five or longer, which they always do. 
Um, but again, you didn't know where it was coming from. So that's intelligent, but it's still aggressive. They weren't backing off and giving Purdy time to process and giving Purdy time to pick you apart. They didn't do that. But then late in the game, again, McCaffrey was grabbing some chunk plays at that point. I also, I almost thought, hey, the 49ers are starting to catch something here, and yet it's field goal, field goal, field goal. And that was because the Chiefs did what you said. They started putting people – they started moving defenders over to shut down some of that McCaffrey stuff so that instead of, hey, second and four, now it's second and 11 or it's second and 12. So that intelligent aggression here that I thought the Chiefs defensive coordinator and the players all together, it was fantastic. We saw it the entire game. Again, this wasn't their best game necessarily. We've seen them play even better. But, boy, the ability to not give up touchdowns for the most part, to give up field goals. Um, you know, and again, I know they give up a couple, but to, to slow that down, that was so huge. And I really loved – that intelligence and that aggressiveness that kept kept coming in there. Yeah, just, I mean, I don't think the Chiefs defense could have written up their, their execution of the game any better. I mean, this is exactly not only taking Debo and, and Kittle completely out of this game, not giving up a huge Ayuk touchdown, not giving up, like I said, the 140 yards on the ground. I, I think if you had handed this script... <laughs> talk about NFL scripts to the Chiefs and said, this is how your defense is going to play. They would say, A, that's exactly what we want. And B, we're winning the game. Like if if our defense does this, Patrick Mahomes is going to get us whatever the requisite number of points is that we need to to win this. And it was, I mean, it was just completely perfectly done. I mean, I, I'm sure there's little things in terms of some, some busted plays and, and stuff like that. And yeah, the McCaffrey chunks went... But, like, you're going to get that. It's the Super Bowl, right? The, uh, the other team is going to make their place. You're not just going to get to shut them out. But the, the timing of it, right, the the position your offense was put in and, and had put your defense in, um, everything went exactly as this Chiefs defense would have wanted it to. That's a fair way to put it. And I'm going to shout out somebody else here in the 49ers, and that's their kicker. I know he missed the extra point, but those field goals that he's out there making – when you're on the biggest stage, and especially after you miss the extra point, to be able to kick it's field goals. It's a tough year for him all year. Mm-hmm. Three yards, 55 yards. Um, it was That was pretty special. Uh, extra point notwithstanding, it was pretty special that he was able to do that. And then you go to the other side, and Harrison Butker gets the longest field goal in, in Super Bowl history, right? The 57-yarder just, like, freaking nailed that thing, man. I mean – but like special teams is is huge, right? People, when it when you know you're for teams that are already thinking about their team next year and looking at the draft and looking at free agents, you gotta reserve a handful of spots for like guys that are gonna be good on special teams. So guys that are gonna get that field goal block, guys that are gonna get be paying attention to where the punt is. If you're a jammer, we haven't mentioned that play at the 49ers. You know, they, the jammer just like by the underside of his heel clips the ball and and the chiefs get that ball. And one play later, it's a, it's a touchdown. Just like these little things, man. It's so, it's so crazy how this happens. Um, more shout outs, Kyle Shanahan. I think, I think we could, you know, we, we can either turn this into the legacy talk or, or I can just give this one little note here for Shanahan. The um the touchdown drive they had was it at in regulation 
the end of regulation touchdown. Um, whichever one where they had the fourth and three, and they converted to Kittle over there on the right side. Boy, man, great minds. Yes. That was Shanahan does not go for fourth downs. Shanahan is not an aggressive coach by nature, which like you would think offensive genius, right? He's still kind of young, but like McVay's the same way. These guys coming up the way they did, they're just not aggressive dudes. They don't do that stuff. They don't take the like savvy like timeouts or, or anything. Like they're just very old school in the way they play this thing. And for Shanahan to have that trick play with Jawan Jennings to throw that touchdown and to go for it on fourth and three and, and nail it, right? Like, kudos to Shanahan for getting to the Super Bowl and saying, like, I need this Super Bowl because, my God, I don't know what Shanahan and his inner circle's life is going to be like for the next six to 12 months, but I can't imagine it's going to be very fun. Um, I feel for the guy because I, I think overall, I mean, he had a great season. I think he coached good, like, to, to do that stuff that's so against your nature, right? So against the grain. And and to still fall short. But, man, that, that fourth and three going for it. Because, like, I, I was I was watching with family, family that doesn't watch the way that you and I watch. They're like, oh, what are they going to do here? I'm like, he's kicking it, man. Shanahan doesn't do And the team's still out there. And, like, they're, they're all like, yeah, this makes sense because they're just normal people watching. I'm like, you guys have no idea how big of a deal this is. This man never does it. This is so – and then they convert, and it's just – it felt like destiny at that point that it was going to work out for him, and here we are. But Shanahan, good good call by you, man. Nice nice job. Yeah, that's right where I was going, was to that fourth and three. But you mentioned the trick plays, too. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing, you know, we it's unfair, but we live in a, a media world and a social media world in which a tidal wave just rolls against you and crushes you, but that same group will celebrate you. Well, if, he, if they had not made that fourth and three, or if one of those trick plays had been busted up, then a very large, loud contingent is going to crush Shanahan mm-hmm. for that. Going to crush him for the fourth and three play. Going to crush him for being those trick plays that they were running. I, there weren't just one. It was two or three mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. doing that. He, he would have been crushed for it, but because they succeeded – you know, we don't get any word about it, but you're 100% right. The fourth and three going for it was the right play for that time. I, you know, you could kick the field goal, I, but it was the best play to go for it. And it worked, you know, and had they yep. missed it, he would have been crushed. But they, it worked. They scored a touchdown a few plays later. It worked. And the trick plays, for the most part, worked. So, you know, but again, man, if you miss them, if you don't make them, you are going to get raked over the coals until the next time you win something big. And you know that that was that was Kittle's one of his two catches and all four of his yards. So talk about like the way things are spun, right? Right now we're like, Kittle only had two catches for four yards. No wonder they lost. And then if they had won the game, it would have been like, he only had one play all game, and it was the fourth down conversion. So it's just it's it's so fun. it's so funny how this thing works out, man. It's so the ball literally you don't know which way it's gonna bounce. The it's shaped so strange. You have no. There's a million ways this game could have gone, man. It was. It was such a great game. Is there anything else on the actual game that we want to dive into right now? I mean, we talked we talked Chiefs offense. Uh, Travis Kelsey, I guess we should be mentioning, right? Nine catches yeah. for 93 yards. He he felt like Thanos in the second half, just like it's inevitable. It, it, it doesn't matter how bushy his beard is going to get, how slow some of his routes are going to look. 
when it comes time for a third down conversion or like got to have that moment, like he's just going to get open. And, and that big, I forget if it was a third or fourth down, but they were in 49ers territory. Chiefs are driving down. I think it was, I think it was the last drive of regulation when they ended up having to go for the field goal anyway. But yes. he just, he has, he has that like, just crop like shallow crosser route right across Fred Warner's face, who we mentioned, like had a good game and a great season, great player. And yep. you just like a little wiggle and a shimmy, and the dude gets open, goes 20 yards, and he knocks I forget if it was Ambry Thomas or which corner it was, knocks some dude's shoulder out of place. Just like the it was again inevitable that Kelsey was gonna be making some clutch plays when when the team needed him uh in this one. And by the way, an unhinged speech by him at the podium just like my my goodness man i mean he's up there doing wwe stuff and, and i know those tight ends are a different breed and kind of funky and, and we all know kelsey has a personality but i feel like you only see those ones from him up at the podium and he was he was he was on one it was something different wwe is the great word for him uh he, he's a different guy on the field I just marvel so much at his abilities to get open, no matter who's guarding him, to catch tough passes, and then to fluid. He really doesn't run routes so much as he just runs fluidly and feels his way through a defense. Um, it's remarkable on all levels, um, his ability to catch. I don't know that it's totally fair to even call him a tight end. He's more of that tight end slash slot receiver hybrid mm -hmm. that modern NFL but he is he is amazing, and he will be in the Hall of Fame. You know, the within on first ballot, no question about it. He's he's tremendous. And you know, Pacheco had, had I mean, quiet game from a yardage and scoring standpoint, but again, just like needed that bell cow, right? He had eighteen carries, he had six catches on eight targets, uh, or six catches on six targets. Sorry, so I mean, just like I know he had the fumble, but just ultra dependable in terms of we can put this guy out on the field and, and know that the right plays are going to happen at the right times. Um, and then I, I still, I'm still just amazed at how many guys they spread the ball around to. I mean, four guys ran with the rock at some point, uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Rasheed Rice also got carries and then three, six, nine, ten. 10, I think 10 different receivers caught a pass in this one. Um, just, just a, Great job by by all these guys. And we should mention, uh, we mentioned Mahomes' great game was officially named MVP. Don't think there was another name that that was really to be considered when when you have over 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. And, and you're Patrick Mahomes. That always helps. It does. We've shouted out a lot of players, but this game, we expected it to be like that. The, the defensive nature aside, it reminded me of the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl from a few years ago and of also last year's Super Bowl, just that there were so many different players that might have a big effect. Mahomes ultimately proved the biggest here. There were so many different players that, that were going to have an influence that we could pick and choose from. And so we shouted out a lot of players because they all deserve it. We probably left out a couple, to be honest, but um, – Loftus, Mike Pennell Jr. on the Chiefs defensive line. Those guys had great games. Trent McDuffie, your guy, had, had um, some nice moments in coverage there on Debo in the middle of the field. Um, I saw Joshua Williams in a, a little more in this game than I feel like I had seen him in a little while, so that was nice. We mentioned Felix Anaduke Uzama, a guy that on Wednesday's show, we were like, man, this guy hasn't done anything all season, and then he gets a big tackle in this one. Um 
trying to find more guys, just naming dudes. Um, my guy, Ray Ray McLeod, I'm glad he wasn't the one that actually fumbled the punt. He was trying to tell his guy to get out of the way. That didn't work out. Um, I think I think we hit all the actual dudes that I wanted to make sure we said their name. I mean, Chase Young had a good game. He had a really good first half. He was he was dynamic in that first half. He probably made himself some money just from just from that alone. Um, really really fun game by the players in this one. And it's a lot like you know you mentioned a couple games that it was like in the past. We did this podcast last year at this time, the Sunday after the Super Bowl. You and I hopped on. We were like those players. I don't care about the decisions, the result, the plays, the penalty. Those players on the field played a good game, a really good game, and and it feels the same way here. I'm very happy to, once again, not be disappointed in the Super Bowl. It does. I I can remember, so I'm old enough. I'm in my mid-40s now. I can remember the second half of the 80s and all of the 90s, for the most part, were crap Super Bowls, blowouts, ugly games over by halftime in some cases. It wasn't every year, but it was most years. And it wasn't until the late 90s we started getting some more decent Super Bowls. But from late 80s all the way through most of the 90s, it was some ugly Super Bowls. So I'm always thankful when the final one can be a good match in which either side could have won. And both sides had every right to think coming out of the game that, hey, we could have won that game. I absolutely love it. So, Let's do some legacy talk coming off of this game. We've talked a bunch of our emotions and the player shout-outs and a little bit of X's and O's. Legacy talk, there's so much that we can spend up. But let's start with the Chiefs here. Let's start with Andy Reid. We'll get to Mahomes in a second. When we are talking about Andy Reid 10 years ago, he's the coach of the Eagles. And inside the NFL, he is beyond respected. Everybody knows this is absolutely, unquestionably one of the top coaches in football. But if you talk in the media, it's probably split between, hey, maybe this guy should be fired because he can't win the big one, or, yeah, he's a genius. And then a lot of the fans the same way is, this guy's really great, but he can't win the big one. So I'm not even sure he belongs in the Hall of Fame. That's what was going on here before Patrick Mahomes showed up. And here we are, Andy Reid, whom I love. I really enjoy him. Now he's a Hall of Fame lock, one of the best of all time. And he gets to kind of sort of get to get up there. In, and again, I don't mean to place him side by side. But now he gets to join the ranks of Belichick and of Gibbs and of Walsh, of the greatest to ever do it. But it's amazing to see the turnaround here. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember growing up in, in those fun Eagles days where he's there and, and not really knowing much of the discourse, but just knowing like, okay, like this team is always in the playoffs. They're always pretty good. Donovan McNabb. I know that guy. Right. Um, and I remember being so shocked when he was fired from the team. Right. And it was really one of the first coaching changes that was like, that I saw across sports that was just like, Hey, there was nothing like specific that was wrong. It was when right. the idea of like, you just need a new voice in, in the locker room, right? It was the first time I really heard that kind of thing. Um, and, and now you see it. I mean, like, look at the guy he was just going up against today with Kyle Shanahan, right? Like, you and I, when we were talking about during, doing our 
nerdy preview on my podcast, which you mentioned last week, Simon Short Podcast. You can still go listen to it. Um, we're like, like, could we make a whole pod of the parallels between these two? Because like Kyle Shannon is just like this tormented genius, right? Where it's like, ah, you need one, right? You deserve one. And all it takes is, you know, drafting one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Um, so we'll see if Shanahan gets the opportunity to do that at some point. Sorry, guys, it's not Brock Purdy. But I mean, yeah, it's like this is this is locked up for for Reed, right? I think I saw they, they threw the graphic like second most, um, tied for second most Super Bowl appearances by one coach, I think, with his five. Um I don't I don't know where he stands in, in career regular season or combined postseason wins but i'm sure it's very very high up there um you you mentioned the names i mean he's and like you know he might not be done man they, i mean they were talking three beat on the podium there mahomes and kelsey so um that that man was fired up after this one like he he still loves this and gets up for this like create like you wonder when you start getting to that point where it's like big deal we want another one you know, but he he needed this one. He loved this one, and then I don't like I don't see Spags going anywhere. Like, and this is this was the worst Chiefs team we've seen in the Mahomes era, and they just won the Super Bowl, <laughs> <laughs> buddy. I don't know what to tell you guys, man. Don't let this team trade for a top ten receiver in the NFL next year, this off season. Don't let them draft a dude, um, because it's gonna be it's gonna be over for a lot of you for a while. It's tough. But Andy Reid's great. Love it. Love it for him. You said it just like a super well-liked guy uh, uh, across the nation, media fans. Because even the media and fans that were like, you can't win the big one. Nobody disliked him. Um, right. And and definitely nobody dislikes him, and no one's saying he can't win the big one now. No, they're not. Uh, the talk changes. It's amazing to see. I know how much – I say I know. I can somewhat say I know how much – all people hurt when they are doubted or when they're criticized or when they're put down. And so these athletes and coaches are no different. Andy Reid felt that, felt that so much he got fired and had to go and try his luck at the next spot. And I'm always open to the idea that, hey, sometimes it's just time for a coach to move on and catch a different voice. I'm always open to that, to that line of thought. It worked out for the Eagles, but it worked out for Andy Reid too. And all it took was getting one of the best quarterbacks of all time, you know, and it brings back up the fair question of, hey, if Belichick never has Brady, then how are we talking about Belichick? Is he a tormented defensive genius? You know, is that where his legacy lies for all those years? And so it takes both. We've seen this with Phil Jackson over on the NBA side. It takes a great coach who knows how to link up the players. And then it takes the great players. That's the only way you get to greatest ever. You don't get the greatest ever any other way. If you don't have the great coach and the great player, then you just don't get to do this. And so for Andy Reid <laughs> to be able to get to this point, uh, what's it, three Super Bowl wins in four years, I think? Or, uh, yeah, no, three, three and five, in, something uh, like that. Mm -hmm. Three and five or six, yeah, something like that. Who's counting at this point, right? Um, if, we lose, then, if we lose count, then it's pretty good. Then it's pretty good. And it's AFC title game, automatic lock every year since mm -hmm. Mahomes showed up. So – for him to be able to get to this point, I'm sure he feels, without even wanting to say it, because some people do, Travis Kelsey says it, but without even wanting to say it, I'm sure he feels vindicated from all the people who ever criticized him, doubted him, threw him down, fired him, whatever. <laughs> right, because it, it it's a little like 
you know, what what we heard about when the Warriors went and recruited Kevin Durant, it was like, listen, Kev, like, we, we've got a championship. If if you stay with the Thunder, you'll probably win one or two, we'll win one or two. But if we link up, this can be a dynasty, right? So, like, let's say Reed goes to the Chiefs and he's got Alex Smith and let's say the Bears take Patrick Mahomes in that draft. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes probably gets a couple Super Bowls. Andy Reid probably gets one Super Bowl eventually, right? But you get these two together, man, and it's it's three and counting and, and just like <laughs> sky's the limit. You drew the comparison to Cal Shanahan. I did it a couple of weeks ago, like you said. Jeff Saturday, unfortunately, actually beat me to putting it out on air. He did it earlier this week. He made the comparison. But it's one I'll stand by for a very long time. Mm-hmm. For people who want to doubt Shanahan, and it's fine. You you can question you know his performance the last time he was the OC in the Super Bowl. You can question his ability to actually get over the top. But he doesn't have a Brady. He doesn't have Mahomes. He has a Purdy, and he had a Garoppolo. And you can maybe blame him partly for that. I don't know. You can blame maybe him for Lance. I don't know. But he doesn't have that true elite-level guy. Now, I'm not trying to take shots at Purdy here because Purdy has been phenomenal. He will be phenomenal next year. And his two attributes of being able to process and being able to do things in clutch time are way up at the top. I mean, they're better than Dak Prescott's. They're better than Lamar Jackson's. They're better than a lot of guys who can throw the ball farther and run faster than he can. But still, Purdy is a limited athlete, and he knows it. He has said so more than once. He leans into that. He works within within his parameters. If Shanahan ever gets a quarterback, listen, he might win one with Purdy next year. I'm not saying he can't. They were right here on the doorstep this year. But to me, Kyle Shanahan is a football genius. He's going to be in several more Super Bowls if he keeps coaching, and he will. And he might win a Super Bowl or two with Purdy. And if he ever gets a Trevor Lawrence kind of quarterback or a Justin Herbert kind of quarterback, then he's going to have a dynasty on his hands, too, because he's that good. I really feel like Shanahan is now where Reed was 10 years ago. I wanted to highlight this tweet from Adam Schefter that that he had before the game. Um Quote, in 2017 NFL draft, in which they held the second overall pick, the Niners did not study Patrick Mahomes because they believed they would be able to sign Kirk Cousins during the 2018 free agency. Those plans were scuttled. Interesting use of the word scuttled. When the Patriots offered and traded Jimmy Garoppolo to the Niners in 2017. Instead, in the 2017 draft, the Niners traded up for C.J. Beathard, who left San Francisco last offseason, two offseasons ago to go to Jacksonville. They got a comp pick, and that comp pick was Brock Purdy. So this is how the 49ers have played the quarterback game in Kyle Shanahan's tenure, right? They're like, draft one of those guys, top top two. Nah, we'll, we'll wait on Kirk Cousins. Ooh, Jimmy Garoppolo, right? The meme, right? You, you The meme of the guy walking with his girlfriend, and he's looking back at the other girl that walks by, like... Here's Patrick Mahomes. Here's, you know, a guy we could draft top three. But look at, you know, that average quarterback we could sign to big money in free agency. And then it, it trickles down and, and turns into Brock Purdy. Um, it's tough. Do you think that in the next I mean, I'm not saying Shahan's gonna get fired tonight. It's not gonna happen. Um, 
But do you think, it, 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 let's say, like the 49ers next year, I mean, we have to talk Super Bowl hangover, right? We saw it this year with the Eagles. We saw a version of it with the with the Chiefs, right? They lose to the Bucks, and then they don't even get back to the Super Bowl, which for them is their version of the Super Bowl hangover. Let's say the 49ers get bounced in the divisional round next year or worse, right? Do we start thinking about, okay, is Shanahan going to lose – lose that spot a la Reed 10, you know, with, with, with Philly. And then we're going to see him try and go have this like next leg of, cause he, he would not need a year off. He would not be taking a year off. Right. Uh, unless he wanted to teams, teams would be lining up to get him right away. Just like Andy Reed did going to the chiefs. Um, yep. do you, do you think we're like a couple years from that sort of scenario for Shanahan? Or do you think it's like a, Hey man, we know you're great. You know you're we're great. We're going to figure out the quarterback thing, and we're going to keep it rolling. We're always a year or two away from that because I expected we might hear some of that chatter this year with Buffalo Bills and Sean McDermott. We didn't. Mm-hmm. It went totally quiet, not a word. Mm-hmm. I thought we could hear some. It didn't. But I always think we're just one or two seasons away from that, yes. And as much as I love and respect Shanahan and everybody does, if one of two things happens, if they start diving a little bit, like you said, losing the divisional round or worse next year and quarterback is looking a little worse, not better then Yeah. You might start hearing some of that from the media. And the other thing is if John Lynch, who I like as general manager, if he starts feeling like maybe ownership is looking at him a little sideways because, Hey, Purdy's fine, but he's not these other guys. And I've still got this Trey Lance thing in my back pocket, kind of sticking out its middle finger at me. Now you start to go, well, Lynch might think, hey, Shanahan needs to go so I can get a few more seasons to do something here. I don't think that's likely to happen. But, yes, we're always just a year or two away from that being a very distinct possibility, no matter how much insiders love you. What do you think? And I completely agree. Um, So what do you think is the next step, if you want to get into this conversation, for for Shanahan and the Niners? Because, you know, last year we have the whole thing in the NFC Championship game where they run out of quarterbacks to literally play. So we go into this year, and it's kind of like, listen, if Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt, they might be in the Super Bowl. And, right, so that theory was essentially proven out, right? They had Javon Hargrave. Um, they get the, the full year of Christian McCaffrey, and they're fantastic, and they do get to the Super Bowl. They're very healthy. Yeah. Can you count on everyone to be healthy again, and you just run it back? Um, Because, man, Trent Williams, Debo, George Kittle – all being at least being in this game right is is very unlikely to happen again um we saw how they were when they were missing a couple of those guys in the middle of the season do we just run it back and see what happens does it feel like there's a roster move that they're missing or does it feel like there's there's something else on a larger scale this year that can happen before we get into the whole wondering about shanahan thing (laughs) <laughs> they've pretty much attached themselves to Brock Purdy and they're not going to be able to get away from him. If they let him go and then have a down spin, they're going to look bad doing it. And they're not going to let go of Purdy. And people would, I would crush them if they did, because again, he fits what they want to do right, right. now. He, he wasn't the reason they lost or anything. Yeah. He wasn't the reason they lost. So they're awful close. I'm a little afraid if they don't start trying to keep getting some fresher, younger players in the mix, at least they're going to turn old overnight old and injured you don't want to do that so i would maybe let go of one or two veterans 
bring in one or two slightly younger veterans. They're good at signing free agents, so bring in another one or two. And I still would love for them, for them to be able to keep working on that offensive line. It's not a bad offensive line, but it's also not great. But if you get one that was even more physical, even more dominant, I would love to see that. But there's not a whole lot you can do here. I mean, you made it all the way. You really should have won this game, to be honest. I don't know that I would go changing up too much. So it's just frustrating as it is. Ultimately, for me, it's just let's get back to work. Let's make sure we don't get old overnight next offseason. And uh, let's keep trying to improve where we can. But that's frustrating. I mean, it really is. Does Chase Young come back? I don't think so. Now, I haven't sat down and crunched the numbers. I really haven't. I'm sure they want to keep him. But if he stays, somebody else is going to have to go, or they're going to be into one of those Eagles, Saints, Buccaneers financial complex stuff where you're creating a lot of dead cap space, a lot of guarantees. I really don't think that's where they need to be. So I'm sure they want to keep it. But if he stays, somebody else goes. I'm trying to see now what their what their free agent or uh, draft pick situation. I think they have all their picks now. I think they've paid out most of the Lance stuff, right? I don't think they have anything I would, else. I see, it's a great question. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm pulling up right now, live, and and th- you know this isn't the point of tonight's podcast, but yeah, and and they've got a bunch of picks because they've got comp picks headed their way this year as well as they typically do. So, um, it would be it would be nice because we we when we talked about. Geez, that was quirky pig there. But what, 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 what? When we did the Wednesday podcast last week, we talked about their recent drafts and how they hadn't had a successful day one or even round two, round three, right? Day one, day two pick in a couple of years. Now they have, it looks like they're slated to have four picks in the top 100. Yeah, it'd be nice if they could just like hit on two, like if two of those picks could turn into starters or at least really consistent players next year right you get you get a new second edge rusher who's a little bit more of a consistent player uh you get a another higher level corner to play across from Traverius Ward maybe um you know Telenoa Ufanga was out for this game with the injury that he suffered towards the end of the season right you get that guy back in the mix um we'll see what the Dre Greenlaw linebacker situation looks like but we mentioned they had a couple nice young guys behind them there that uh tonight um yeah, maybe you just like get this defense to be something that throughout the year, because we, we've highlighted, we've talked about like some of the holes in the defense as the year has gone on. So maybe if you can just keep this offense healthy, you let Shanahan do his thing where he's alone with a chalkboard for, for four months right over the offseason and he schemes up something crazy for next year. And I mean, they were the number one offense in the league this year. They don't need to change anything. So maybe you just get a couple more defensive playmakers. Maybe you're right back here next year and and maybe somehow the the Chiefs are worse. I don't know how they get more. I mean, they have to pay Chris Jones, so we'll see if they do that. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's all inevitable. Like Kyle Shanahan said, we could all be dead tomorrow anyway. So what what does it matter? <laughs> One last thing I want to close out with on my side, and that is the Patrick Mahomes legacy talk. So we can all say that he's great. We can all say that he's one of the best we've ever seen. Some people would even say the best, and that's fine. Um, I, they are basically a, in the middle of a dynasty now. I think that's fair, it, however far you want to carry that. I guess my question really would more settle in on how many more of these 
and again, we're not going to analyze next year's finances or, you know, Mahomes contract two years Let's from do now. It. But how many more years, how many more Super Bowls do you think Mahomes can win? Um, he's still relatively young. Nobody's ever started out quite like this. It's three Super Bowl wins. And honestly, you mentioned this earlier. If not for a couple of offensive lineman injuries in before that Tampa Bay Super Bowl, they might actually win that game mm-hmm. because they were ever but as good as Tampa Bay. They just had no chance on offensive line. They had one injury early in the season to their tackle spot, and then right before the Super Bowl, they caught the other tackle spot, mm-hmm. and they're playing musical chairs with guys that really shouldn't even be out there at all under any circumstances. And Mahomes was running for his life against a very good defense. He had no shot in that game. It wasn't even fair to say that that was a loss to Brady because Mahomes had no shot in that game. He might be four for four on Super Bowls if not for a couple of offensive linemen injuries. But I guess my question is legacy projections. How many more of these do you think he can actually win before he shuts this thing down? I think, I mean, I I think he can win them all. I think he's going to be in the conversation <laughs> every single I think the Chiefs are going to be there every single year. I, they're not going to win every Super Bowl. They're not going to be in every Super Bowl. But right. in terms of like, I'm not, I, I'm not willing to put a cap on it, right? I'll, I'll say that. And I think in terms of how people are going to think of him at the end, unless he beats the Tom Brady number, right? It's going to be the LeBron MJ where it's like that guy and maybe the safe middle ground is like that guy was more talented, but that guy was better. Right. And you're, you're those razor thin lines of how you kind of make that decision of what, what that even means. Um, and people are just going to have their personal preference, but like <laughs> if as, if as the quarterback and I'm, I'm team anti QB is a, or, or wins are a quarterback stat, right? That's not me. But if as the quarterback, you can lead this team with no wide receivers and a 34-year-old tight end and a seventh-round pick at running back, which I always advocate for, and two tackles that have struggled all year despite the financial investment in them, and your all-pro left guard who has been rock-solid for you since that Bucks Super Bowl, who and he misses the last game of the year, and you win the Super Bowl on the back of your defense, I don't know when to tell you that you can't win the Super Bowl again. And because just like for this, just like for the league and sports, right? You know how we always say it's cyclical, right? So these last couple of years, defense is back where offense and scoring is down and defense is back. And then offenses are going to figure out how to counter that. And then it's going to be offense again. Defense are going to counter that and blah, 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 blah. Eventually, this thing is going to come back to the Chiefs, and they're going to have an explosive offense again. And as Patrick Mahomes gets older and is actually in his 30s and maybe can't run around .01 seconds faster than the guy chasing him like he does now, he's just going to be able to throw it to, like, I don't know, three dudes that they've drafted in the first round for three years in a row, and they're really freaking good. And then you've got Mahomes with, like, incredible young, talented receivers, and then it doesn't matter what your defense looks like because those— it's oh, it doesn't matter. So like, this thing's gonna keep coming back around. And as long, I mean, you're a guy. Brett Veach has put together a good team, and and between him and Reed and Spags and the revolving door of offensive coaches that they've had under Reed, if Mahomes is there, they have figured out how to put enough pieces around him together 
And it doesn't take much when you have Patrick Mahomes. And, I mean, yeah, man, the short answer is he can win as many as he and the Chiefs want to and allow themselves to because it's their it's their league until that man is is too old to to do it. Agreed. I think he's good for at least another three or four. I, I not guaranteed, but that's that kind of looks like where he's projecting, right? Another three or four added on to the three he's already got. One thing that might slow him down a little bit is if Andy Reid retires at some point. Mm-hmm. Reid is five. We're seeing guys coach up to 70. Belichick and Carroll got into their 70s here just, just this past couple of seasons. So if Reed is there for another five years, then why can't Mahomes tack on another two or three then? Yeah. There's no reason that they can't. If Reed goes and somebody else steps in, who knows? That that support cast of the coach to go with the player, again, it's, it's a two-way street there. That might slow them down a little bit until they get the next right guy in. But there's no reason that Mahomes can't be competing for a Super Bowl every year, and he's probably going to grab his share of them. I'm going to bring up an interesting comparison here because we all compare him to Brady, right? But Brady won Super Bowls in 2002, 2004, 2005. It would be another decade before Brady would win another one. But that's what modern dynasties look like. We've seen it with the Spurs. We saw it. Um, we've seen it with uh, Golden State a little bit. Kind of, they're spread out. They're not like they used to be in these clusters and then mm-hmm. these teams slide out. But these some of these guys, the star players, the Brady's, the Mahomes, the Tim Duncan's, you name them, they can play for so long. Sometimes you have version one, which is Mahomes right now, and then maybe you have a little gap where they reset a little bit, and you have version two, and they do it all over again. So Mahomes, there's no reason that he can't get right up there. I think he's already there, but can't work his way right up there into Brady air and maybe even pass him. He's he's already set the table for that. To keep the basketball analogy going, and yeah, this applies to Tom Brady too, it's who who is the, the guy in the building that sets your culture, right? And so when Tim Duncan retired, um, Greg Popovich was the first one to get in front of everyone and say, Tim Duncan is the reason we have those banners. It's not me, right? I'm a, I'm a hard-ass coach. And it takes a special player to be an on-court talent superstar and also take that coaching and then also get the other 10 to 12 to 13 guys to follow that coaching. And that's how you do that, right? The NBA had Tim Duncan in that kind of mold. And then and now it has Steph Curry. And, and where the Warriors are, not to turn this into an NBA podcast, but you you mentioned we had, we had Duncan – and in the 90s, those couple championships, right, we had David Robinson and we had Steve Kerr and we had Bruce Bowen, right? We had that crew. And then that turned into Ginobili and Parker took over. And then we had the Kawhi year there. And for the Warriors, what's different is because the Warriors came to kind of power in the NBA around the time that the Chiefs did here. And we've said this all year about the Chiefs. The Warriors are still built around the original guys that that thing was built around, right? It was Clay, Dre, and Steph. And and for the Chiefs, it was Mahomes, and it was Kelsey, and it was Hill. The difference is it's still Steph, Clay, and Dre. And Clay and Dre are not the guys that they were 10 years ago, man. It is not the same team. Those aren't the same players. Steph is still incredible, and he's still that guy that can be that guy. But those other guys that are there are still there, and they're still like trying to make it work. Whereas the Chiefs have changed their team three times over these three Super Bowls. And and that's because you have that guy in Mahomes that's just like it, it it's like the guy that, you know, you, you work your your high school job at the department store 
and he just walks in at 3 p.m. on a day, and it's just like, hey, man, we need you to go work in the kids' department today. Oh, we need you to go unload the truck today. Oh, we need you to go clean toys. And she's like, whatever, man, whatever's on fire. Like, I'll just show up, and I'll, I'll take care of it. So Holmes walks in, and it's like, what are we doing this year? We don't have a top receiver? Cool. Oh, but we got to do good defense? Sweet. Let's get to work, and, and we'll make it happen. Um, Eventually, Reed is going to be gone. Eventually, Kelsey is going to be gone. We have to see what they do in those guys' places. Um, they have to replace them somehow with something. The Warriors tried it with guys like James Wiseman and, and Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, and like that hasn't worked out the way they had hoped. Um, but if the Chiefs can just find those right pieces and, and do it in the right timetable, so if they can finally go draft a receiver in the first round, that works out. Um to pair with Rasheed Rice, and then they eventually go get another tight end, and eventually they keep this defense going. Yeah, man, who, who, I, I think, I think three in the next five years, coming right off of this Super Bowl, right off of back to back, that sounds like I should be getting minus odds for that, not plus odds. Yeah, agreed. And again, it's year by year, so for everybody listening, don't be surprised if all of a sudden, for whatever reason, because it does happen, it happened to Brady. If you see a five, eight-year gap, and then you see another resurgence, but I wouldn't expect that. Mahomes is so good. And, again, the Chiefs franchise needs to think about it from year to year. It's, okay, what do we do this year? Last year is gone. Whatever the result was, let's refocus. And that'll be our analysis on the Chiefs each year. Hey, they're going to be in the mix, but how much? Because, listen, eight weeks ago, I didn't think the Chiefs were very much in the mix. And they really weren't. They were not playing well. They didn't have their act together. They didn't have the offense together. They really didn't. But here they are, <laughs> Super Bowl champs again. That's all I got, man. I'm done. So much fun. So much fun on this podcast. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have Ronan back on here next week. I'll have Ronan on the Simon Short podcast this week. We'll get his thoughts, too. But, Ben, another another great season, man. Another great Super Bowl recap. Um, ton of fun, man. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's been a blast. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us all during the regular season. We really appreciate it. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for us. We hope you enjoyed this special instant reaction podcast, this rare Monday podcast from the Stat Sheet Podcast. Make sure you're following on Twitter at Stat Sheet Pod. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Um, we will be back on our Tuesday schedule here starting next week. Make sure you're listening to everybody on Box Score Network. Give their Super Bowl reactions and, and dive into whatever the offseason or in-season of other sports content there is because it does not stop. Um, but thank you all so much for another great NFL season, uh, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.